Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen at snc.tv and local now channel 525. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Welcome in. Good day. The market's corrected 2.5% on Friday. People got really upset. I see one analyst out there today from Blackstone. He says we're going to correct 10 to 20%. If you were stressed on Friday, you have to prepare yourself for a 20% potential correction. Otherwise, you shouldn't be buying stocks. If I told you the house that you're in right now could go down 20 to 30%, if that stresses you out, you should sell it. If you're worried about interest rates and inflation, the stimulus could be the thing that tips us over into a rate spike. And that could be a problem. We saw wage data that pointed to quickening inflation, which would lead to higher interest rates and therefore rising borrowing costs for companies. That being said, that was probably under the Janet Yellen Federal Reserve. She's gone. She's the new guy in today. We don't know what he's going to be. He talked to Trump. Trump interviewed him. Trump said, Janet Yellen, you're fired. Maybe he didn't say that. Maybe he said, I'm not going to reelect you, and he reelected someone else. You're fired. But you're fired. You're fired. So Blackstone said last week that its fourth quarter profit rose 4.8%. That's not the important thing. The important thing to look at, in my opinion, is are you ready for a stomach-churning downdraft? I had a nice weekend. A little brisket, a little brasket, a little brisket and uh, some ribs, a little football. Um, but you know what's interesting about that? Viewership for the NFL is on a decline, and viewership for um, the Super Bowl is on the decline. Now, yet Amazon and others were wise enough to say, we still want a piece of that action, because it's, it's good action. But yesterday we had Netflix show us, you know, after the Super Bowl, Stay tuned for an out-of-the-nowhere sequel to sci-fi hit Cloverfield that no one's seen a bit of it. Stream it instead of watching NBC's all-new hyped, way hyped, super emotional, This Is Us. So during the Super Bowls, uh, NBC's going, Hey, did you see the Olympics are coming to town next week? Dance, dance, dance with ice skating. Hey, did you see that we got the super emotional This Is Us? And Netflix is like saying, we'll buy an ad promoting us. And Hulu ran a Super Bowl ad to promote its upcoming series from Stephen King and J.J. Abrams. Now, when those are out, am I going to be watching the Olympics or am I going to be watching Castle Rock? And Amazon did the same thing for its amazing new Jack Ryan series, which has got the lead from The Office, Jack Kraskowski or whatever his name is. And you're like, he's not going to be Jack Ryan. He's supposed to be funny. This will never work. Hot Pockets. There we go. Can I tell you the truth? This is so, so sad. I've never seen a whole episode of Seinfeld 
I've never seen a whole episode of Friends, and I've never seen a whole episode of The Office. Now, I have seen a whole episode of Westworld. No! God! HBO also bought a commercial. So, between HBO and Amazon, between Netflix, they probably spent $20 million to basically give NBC, you know, uh, money in exchange for a major sporting event, which they don't run right now, but they could. NBC's own ads during the Super Bowl showed us shows that are kind of lame and cheesy. This is us. I know. I like that show. Um, but it also shows you the power of live TV and live sporting events like the Super Bowl. Where else can you get a whole country watching, especially such a good game? Most total offense ever in a football game? Like, someone ring in a favor from uh, the football gods or the TV gods. So the question is, is NBC accelerating their own decline? Or are they making the most of a bad situation? Well, they still can. There's no good answer. One analyst is saying, okay, let's take a look at this Wells Fargo thing. Janet Yellen on her way out basically is restricting Wells Fargo's size in response to widespread consumer abuses. This is pretty well known. Um, they were disclosed in late 2016. And for the better part of 2017, I'd like to say that the CEO, the new CEO, because you had to kick out the old CEO, tried to like create some credibility and try to create some safeguards to protect consumers from being abused. And I think it's horrible to abuse consumers. Um... But it was a harsh Fed consent order, and it's a C&D, cease and desist. And basically what they said is consumer deposits, consumer lending, small business banking, merchant acquiring, um, we have some issues with you. Now, Bank of America is saying, jump in on this puppy. Bad news is sometimes good news. Whoa. So that's kind of interesting, right? That's how Wall Street works, my friend. Bank of America, Merrill Lynch reiterated its buy rating for Wells Fargo shares, saying the dramatic drop in its shares after the Fed's action is an overreaction. They said, we dug deeply into earnings drivers at Wells Fargo between now and 2020, and while we expect shares to be weak near term, we conclude that at earnings for share cuts of 2 to 3% are less than the implied aftermarket decline of 6%. We would view any potential weakness in the shares as a particularly attractive buying opportunity. So way back in 2016, Wells Fargo admitted that employees facing pressure to meet sales goals enrolled customers in products without their knowledge. And that affected 3.5 million accounts. Last year, it also revealed that thousands of customers had been charged for car insurance they did not need. Are you kidding me? The bank replaced its CEO and it remade its board. If there's any share silver lining, in my opinion, it's the fact that Wells Fargo is now put in some places to help protect shareholders. And... You know, they will optimize their balance sheet. Um, can they stay under the asset cap and still grow loans and spread revenue by running off low-value, high-cost deposits and shifting excess cash and other low-yielding cash flow into Ginny Mae securities without compromising liquidity needs? So that's, I, I think that's a heck of a story. Um, now, what's going to happen on Wall Street? Friday, we had that shocking 665-point drop. And this morning, 4 o'clock, I turned on the telly. And I kind of want to see on Bloomberg what's happening in foreign markets. And it was a bloodbath. 
Um, again, so I was like, ooh, two days in a row. What does a correction look like? And at one point in today, the markets, particularly the Dow, and again, we have had such a great nine years, and we had such a great month of January. And basically, if we were to extrapolate our gains in January into the whole year, we would have been up like 60%, 70%. So the fact that we got a bit of a sell-off, I was relieved with. Um, I don't know about you, but I was relieved. So at one point this morning, the Dow was down... I don't know, down to 25, it's down about 300 roughly. And it's fought its way back. I don't know the name of that song, but it goes, fight your way back, Um, down 61-ish. And again, where do we end? Nobody knows. But don't buy stocks unless you can take a 5, 10%, 20% correction. Don't. You're not made for it. Do buy stocks when they are down. If you could look at it as long-term play on capitalism, so, I don't know. I'm not your Buddha. I'm Rob Black. You can find me at robblackshow.com. It's robblackshow.com. Thanks for listening. Catch Rob Black and Rob Black and Your Money live on the Bay Area Airwaves. Weekday mornings from 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. And streaming live on the KDOW radio app or KDOW.biz. And don't forget the weeknight replay at 7. So this is Imagine Dragons. And I tell this story every time we play an Imagine Dragons song coming back. That one time I saw them probably six years ago at a teeny tiny club. And they're carrying their own equipment out after the show. And I don't smoke, but I was lingering outside. Lead singer walks by and I go, hey, hey, I liked your show tonight. Is there any chance I can give you $10,000 and I get backstage passes for the rest of my life to your events? And he goes, no way. And he laughed and kept walking. Good thing he didn't do that, because that would have been a sweet deal for me. They play festivals. They play arenas. Anyhow. So, a lot going on in Wall Street right now. And I think I really need to, again, try to focus on that as much as I can. That's when you need me the most, is when you get fearful and or greedy, in my opinion. And I don't want you to get fearful or greedy. Take a look at some of the stocks that are uh, moving up on a down day. That's a good way to start. Um, You're seeing Apple move higher. Maybe their their fall has already been priced in. You're seeing the Dow Jones down 58. Hmm, that's not very much anymore, is it? Um, Starbucks higher. Um, Snap higher. Now, should you go out and buy Snap? Buy Difference between Snap and Qualcomm is pretty big. Snap and Apple, pretty big. Snap and Alibaba. Amazon, higher today. Uh, Google, lower. Netflix, slightly lower. So, stocks got smashed on the open, but it doesn't look so bad right now. Now, this could be the calm before the storm, whatever you want to call it. This could be a part of a problem. Violent market sell-offs are pretty easy to spot, and I think they're pretty easy to get through. Um, to me, the one that bothers, I think that scares me the most is Bitcoin. Because with Apple, you could say they've got X amount of cash. With Bitcoin, there's nothing back in it. Now, you could say, Rob, you don't understand Bitcoin. It's the future. 
I can understand that it doesn't have anything back in it, is what I can understand. Um, Broadcom has sweetened its bid for Qualcomm, calling its offer best and final. Oh boy, chipmaker Broadcom raised its offer to buy Qualcomm by 24%. I own shares of Qualcomm. And I could see Qualcomm going in on their own. I could see Qualcomm saying, you know what? That's a pretty good premium from Friday's close. It's 24% higher. Stocks, Qualcomm's not moving higher. Wall Street doesn't think Qualcomm's going to do it. Broadcom is led by an ambitious CEO, Hock Tan, who is seeking to build a giant chip company to get major market share and lock in billions of dollars being spent by telecom companies to build out 5G networks. Qualcomm share is down today. Hmm. Qualcomm and its board now has a very tough decision on how they go. Apple said on Friday, we're not using Broadcom's uh, chips in our next phones. Hmm. That's pretty interesting right there. And then Qualcomm's trying to buy NXP semiconductors to diversify their portfolio of semiconductors. So after Qualcomm rejected its offer already, Broadcom and private equity firm Silver Lake Partners, um, they've kind of like taken this this thing to be kind of, how does one say hostile. So Wall Street greed for lack of a better word, is good. Um, Which, if you haven't seen that movie, it holds up pretty well, except for when they pull cell phones out. They're the size of shoeboxes. Greed is good. What a a voice, right? So, back to the stock market. Uh, Watch for another selling wave. Uh, Friday's 665-point drop in the Dow was just a two and a half percent pullback, and this morning we we dipped lower, you know, one percent, one and a quarter percent. That's not a five percent correction. Five percent corrections are normal and healthy. Uh, there have been five hundred ninety nine one day drops of that size in the Dow's history. Um, that's how a pullback feels, and I remember being at the gym on Friday and going, "This isn't so bad," um, but you saw some old guys. Stand around naked in the, in the locker room, sit on leather couches, and you could see fear in their eyes. You know why? I already said it. Old. So when you're younger, and I'm I'm definitely middle aged. I mean, I'm not middle aged. I'm on the older side of younger aged or something. I don't even know how to classify myself. Watch for a a round of selling now as institutions trapped in bets on continued low volatility or assuming negative correlation between stock and bond prices, they have to put their assets out there. But it's how a pullback feels. It's uncomfortable. You know, if you've got kids, at some point in time, they're going to ask you to get on a roller coaster with them. And you're going to be like, it's been 30 years. It's going to feel uncomfortable. And that's what a stock market drawdown feels like. Is capitalism dead? Did everyone lose their jobs on Friday? Uh, did oil go to 200? No. Now, this doesn't mean that we're not in for a period at some point in time. Six days, six weeks, six months, six years of negative markets. Markets never do six years. That's one of the reasons CFP Chad Burton talks about having three years in cash so that you can take those down periods before the stock market pushes back towards all-time highs. Now, again, you can sit there and go, ah, ha, 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 Rob, you're crazy. This time we're going to zero. 
and there's going to be commercials on this radio station. There's going to be commercial on television. There's going to be commercials out there on the internet about how this market is too much for you. It went down two and a half percent. If you can't handle two and a half percent, you can't handle the truth. You should not be an investor. Right, Jack? You can't handle the truth. Thank you, Jack. Now, context helps. Pullbacks are normal and healthy. They happen all the time. 5% pullbacks should happen two to four times a year. It shakes out the weaker hands. Now, like, look around right now. If you're on a train or look around if you're at the office, don't you want some of these guys to get scared and sell? Don't you want some losers to go with the winners? Otherwise, we all, like, you know, um, what's that Alphaville song? You can... Uh, wash your car for an afternoon in utopia. It's utopia something, and I don't know the words to it, but um, afternoons in utopia. We can't have the markets going higher forever and ever and ever. So the market opens lower. It battles its way back. I'm mostly okay with it. Um, does it feel good? No, but roller coasters don't feel good. When you're done with a roller coaster, you're like, woohoo, that was fun! Uh, I dig you people. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Rob Black Show. That's robblackshow.com. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black talking money, investing, and more. That's Lord. The 2018 Grammy Awards kind of had a, a star-studded lineup of performances. Lady Gaga, Pink, Bruno Mars. But she wasn't there, even though she was nominated for Record of the Year. She wasn't asked to sing. Her real name is Ella O'Connor. And I think she's, gosh, if I were 20 years younger, I'd be like, I think she's hot. I think she's all that out of a bucket of chicken. Listen to that voice. So, of the 899 people nominated in the last six Grammy Awards, 9% were women. This year, Lord was the only woman nominated for Album of the Year, and she's not even scheduled to perform. It felt like a snub. I, I think in the year of women, that's a snub. When I think in the year of Me Too, I think that's a snub, and there's no doubt about it. Now, she's cuckoo as Cocoa Puffs. She wants to honor her heroes by asking people to send her T-shirts that she can... Uh, ultimately donate. She wants a Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young shirt. She wants a Paul Simon shirt, Simon & Garfunkel, Phil Collins. So she wants you to send shirts to her so she can wear them on her tour. And I'm pretty sure she probably made a little bit more than you last year. And yes, I know it's melodramatic for me to even be talking about it at this point in time, but uh, I am. And now I shut up. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Let's take a look at the markets, shall we? And shall we do it together? Oh, take a look at this. The Nasdaq's positive. The Dow's down one-third of a percent, and the S&P 500's down less than one-tenth of a percent. 
Okay, so now can we say it's over, we're free and clear? Woohoo! No, is the answer, because something happened. The 10-year treasury moved higher, and something happened. Uh, markets that always went higher suddenly swooshed lower. It's kind of like being in an airplane where it drops, you know, in turbulence, and you're like, is that it? Probably not. Probably not. Um, commercials of the Super Bowl, what did you feel? To me, I thought PepsiCo stole the show. Um, PepsiCo really shows you what they do they, during the Super Bowl. They spend money, A. And I've always said it's okay to buy any company that advertises in the NFL, Major League Baseball. If you're like, this halftime report brought to you by Visa, this halftime show brought to you by Pepsi. If they could throw that kind of money, you can buy that company and you'll probably be okay in five, ten years. Now you got to be careful because like some of the the ones that are like trying to nab market share, um, like E-Trade a couple years ago, well, back in the 90s, and then a monkey on a rocket, and the rocket was going higher, signaling stocks are going higher. you got to be a little careful. With that said, I think PepsiCo stole the show with Doritos, Pepsi, Mountain Dew. Um, they generate positive chatter. Doritos, Mountain Dew took the number one and number two spots, according to consumer brands like Folio's Consumer Buzz Meter. And um, they look at social media, and they see what people are talking about, and that's how they choose their winner. Budweiser had a mixed night. It had a standing stand-by-me ad, um, and viewers enjoyed the Michelob Ultra I Like Beer song. Um, but half the viewers truly dislike Bud Knight Dilly Dilly. Dilly Dilly! What does Dilly Dilly even mean? Um... Uh-oh. This is so small from back here. I can't really tell. It's the Bud Knight. Oh, there we go. It's the Bud Knight. We're saved. Yes. Dilly Dilly! So, someone was sitting next to me, and they were like, during that commercial, the Bud Light Knight, which is a nice play on words, but they're like, is this a video game? So, when you lose the point of what it is... You kind of lose the point of what it is. So Dilly Dilly is short for delicious. Kind of stupid, huh? It's a sort of medieval cheer. The phrase has taken on a life of its own. Um, now, some people will say that it doesn't mean anything. But the Urban Dictionary, which you got to be able to trust, you know, dictionary.com. It's a shortening of the word delightful or delicious from the 1930s. So it's come up to mean its own thing as remarkable or unusual. Okay, so you learned something today. I'm good at that. <laughs> we, now that's another sound we're going to add to the show. And one of my bosses is going to crawl into the computer and delete it. Snake. Um, that's all I have to say about that. So, ta-da! Apple's investigating an iPhone 10 glitch, which has stopped some people from answering calls. I would call that a glitch for sure. There, I would definitely call it a glitch. Um, how about Wild yesterday? Netflix, they redefined the way we watch TV with binge watching. I remember there was a period in my life where I had to stay up all night long. And I started binge watching um, Breaking Bad. So I'd watch three or four episodes before I'd finally crash. And I didn't watch six seasons in a sitting, but I could have. So Netflix did something last night. and Netflix publicly traded 
released a trailer for the third movie in the Cloverfield franchise during the Super Bowl. And it, it appears to be on a space station. It's called the Cloverfield Paradox. And the first Cloverfield was made for very little money, and it made a ton of money. The second one was made for little money because it was set in one seat, one, one room. And it made okay money. So the new movie is called The Cloverfield Paradox, and the movie follows a group of international astronauts on a space station working on experimental technology. This is what's fascinating about it. The movie was supposed to be released in April. So Netflix ran a commercial for it yesterday, the first preview, the very first scene that we've seen of the movie. And they released it directly right after the Super Bowl. That's brilliant marketing. That is, you know, don't wait for bad reviews. Don't wait for good reviews. Don't wait for competition. You have a stage of 100 million people. And right after the the Super Bowl, you can now stream the Cloverfield Paradox. That's, again, things are changing pretty fast, in my opinion. And it's tough to keep up with technology, and it's tough to keep up with where markets are going. That's why you have to be a savvy investor. Savvy investors have known. Um, you don't have to be a savvy investor, but it helps, I think. Oh, what else is there to talk about out there? That's right, Jack. Apple Music's overtaking Spotify. Oh, my, Captain. Oh, my, my, my. Oh, my, my, So Apple Music on track to overtake Spotify. And this is big news because there's a lot of people who are Spotify like, um, how shall we use the word? Um, snobs. Snobs. That's it. And they're like, I like Apple. I like Spotify. And yet they'll buy an iPhone and they'll invest at Apple and they'll be like, they won't. It's a similar service. Uh, but Apple Music's on track to overtake Spotify by the number of U.S. subscribers. The Wall Street Journal reported on Sunday, citing people in the music business uh, familiar with figures, and they reported by the two services. Spotify is currently the largest music streaming service globally, with Apple coming in second. So Apple's done overtaking the number one overall spot, but the U.S. number one overall one spot. And that's pretty good. Apple Music told the Wall Street Journal it now has 36 million global subscribers, up from 30 million, the company reported in September. Spotify said on Twitter in January that it had 70 million subscribers worldwide. Um, Spotify is coming out with an IPO this year. Mm, you think Apple's going to catch them? So a lot of people got caught up in Apple's uh, numbers in the recent quarter. Um, and I don't think you really should be caught up in that. You should be caught up in their services numbers. So when you have 1.3 billion installed user base... Uh, if you can get them to spend $14, $10 a month on music, that goes a long way in a higher margin business. If you can get them to buy apps and use digital currency to get an extra free turn or a free spin, that's a ton of money. Um, so just throw that out there. Dilly dilly. Dilly dilly. I know. That's the new What's Up? What's up? And that's not annoying now either, is it? <laughs> we got to get a better sound of that one. Um, 800-516-1220 to get your calls in there. Did I do this story last week? Oracle Silicon Valley campus is now home to a high school. Um, I predicted this five years ago that Google, Apple, Oracle, Facebook, they want employees who are well-trained. And we only allow so many visas to come into the United States for tech workers. Our high schools aren't doing enough of it, and a four-year college degree is too expensive. So Oracle is known for its database technology, is now opening a high school on its campus, 
and it's it's the high school is called Design Tech. It's a public charter school that works closely with Oracle's Education Foundation, which is a nonprofit. Uh, though four years old, the school doesn't ha- didn't have a permanent home until recently, and it's moving in on campus. Um, how about recruiting from going downstairs into the conference center and you know pulling the, the students together? Uh, that may have a, a positive influence. No, no. My French friend Pierre is here. That is good. No, no. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. I'm French. Why do you think I have this outrageous accent, you silly king? Don't forget, there's another hour of today's show to listen to. Find it now at kdow.biz or on the KDOW radio app. So I'm talking a lot about digital media in 2018 and technology. Generation Z is going to take over as the demographic to pay attention to. Um, it's people born between 1996 and 2011. They represent 40% of the U.S. consumers by 2020. Wall Street is a future discounting mechanism. So it's basically looking six months in the future. And you start looking at the calendar, 2018, you're like, whoa, we're not that far away from Generation Z representing 40% of the U.S. consumers. When you're the dominant group, people pay attention to you because you go to where the money flows. Digital publishers are going to look to diversify revenue beyond advertising. Um, so digital publishers are going to look for new revenue streams, a combination of subscriptions and brand licensing and merchandising and e-commerce partnerships. I saw in 2017, Live Nation and Ticketmaster made a deal that basically uh, they're, they're, not only can you buy your concert ticket, but you can buy the concert swag. You can buy the shirt from these guys. So if you want the Madonna Like a Virgin Tour shirt, you have you don't have to, but you can pre-order it. So you can actually show up at the show with it. They don't want to just make money like the way they used to of service fees and maybe a cut of the ticket. Now they also want to sell you some of the, the goods. In Europe and um, uh, where do I go with this? Amazon is already selling tickets to concerts. Do you think that's going to continue or you think that's going to stop? No, everyone's looking for new revenue streams. Artificial intelligence is a buzzword. Bzzz. And it's played a bigger role in advertising. More brands and marketers are using artificial intelligence to improve the targeting and efficiency of their ads. I don't like that. <clears throat> Sometimes my phone creeps me out. Sometimes websites creep me out. If I happen to go skiing two weeks ago, why all of a sudden am I getting skis 50% off sales on my webpages, ads delivered to me? But highly personalized brand messages and content, um, ways of measuring campaign analytics, it gives big instant insights on performance. I like to give speeches on how to save money for retirement. And in the past, I've just looked at the density of population. So in the Bay Area, we've got counties like Marin, where there's a lot of trees. There's not a lot of high-rises. There's not a lot of businesses. I don't do seminars there because there's not enough people. to. I want to draw 100 people per crowd. So I, I, I look at the East Bay, I'm like, same thing. Um, there are a lot of younger people who necessarily don't have money, <clears throat> So they, nor do they want to save money. So I look basically from like San Mateo to San Jose as my, my you know data. That's not very smart of me. That's just the you know population census. Now it's worked, but you get the idea. Amazon's going to be a big story in 2018 as they're upgrading their advertising tools. 
and it's inching closer to becoming a third dominant advertising force, breaking up the duopoly. Um, Amazon wants you know a lot of self-serve capabilities so that when you come, you can advertise with them. So the old advertising companies like WPP, Omnicom, and Publicis, they're going to collect you know easily 800 plus million to advertise on Amazon over the next several years because Google and Facebook. They dominate the digital ads, and Amazon's like, well, we could do that too. So they're building tools, Amazon, at the current point in time, so that ad buyers at WPP, Omnicom, and Publicis can like, you know, self-serve themselves. Um, Amazon's ad business is a long way off from Google's and Facebook. Amazon generated ad revenue in 2017 in the low single-digit billions. Low single-digit billions. That's minuscule. When you look at Google, sixty-one billion, and Facebook, twenty-seven billion, and that was only through like half, three quarters of 2017. Amazon wants a piece of that pie. My favorite pie chart is how much pie do I eat? I'm a big pie chart fan. Get in my belly. That's right. Get in my belly. Apps and platforms are another topic of 2018, and again, you're seeing app store ecosystems trying to get more robust and reliable revenue streams, and they're shifting to higher quality content. You know, it's cute that you know you could have 40,000 apps, but if only 30 or 40 of them are generating you know big revenue, let's focus on that, and let's get them to generate bigger revenue. Smartphones are going to continue to become less of a central hub in developed markets as we're starting to see connected speakers and virtual reality and augmented reality headsets um, continue to ship away the dominance on digital platforms. So the phone app store will play into the virtual reality app store and the augmented reality app store and the connected speaker. Right now on your connected speaker, Amazon Alexa, for instance, you could say, hey, let's play Jeopardy. And someone's come up with an app for it and at some point in time to get like the real Alex Trebek who let's hope he doesn't have a stroke because then he's going to sound like the answer is and like you don't want that but you would pay for the real Alex Trebek to play Jeopardy in your house right? I'll take the rapist for 200 <laughs> that's therapist so Amazon's dominant in the voice assistant market with the Alexa-enabled speaker and services. And if you go look at what Alexa can and can't do, they've said it's an open system. If anyone wants to develop anything for it, you can, you can do that. So Google Home and Apple's HomePod are going to say, we don't want you to run away with this category. We want to piece that action, too. Um, Apple has made a bit of a mistake with the App Store in the past few years by letting too many apps on it. Google lets way too many apps on it, and sometimes they've got like Chinese viruses that spy on what you're doing, steal your credit cards. Apple's tried to stay away from that, but they're still at this point in time it's a little too wild, wild west, whereas Google's got the wild, 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 wild west in their Play Store. Yeah, I'm Rob Black, Stock Talk, looking at the future, talking investing, talking ideas. Stick with me. Find me online at robblackshow.com.